guys, I hope you're all doing well. We're back with another episode of Influx, a place where you can engage with Flux at your own time. We hope you guys enjoyed our first episode and make sure to comment on our post on Instagram or DM us directly at scabflux with your impressions, ideas, and otherwise about the podcast itself. So I have some quick announcements before we jump into this week's episode. But first things first, make sure to follow us on Instagram at scadflux and join our Discord, which you can find on our website at www.scadflux.com. Again, that's scadflux.com. So for our announcements today, today is and was our internship panel with Ladies in Tech and now IDSA. It's starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are super excited about this panel because we have an amazing group of students who will be talking about their experiences and their internship throughout the summer, as well as talking to some professional recruiters. So if you do miss this event, be on the lookout for the recording that we're going to post very soon. Our next announcement is that our biggest design sprint event of the year, Startup 2021, is just around the corner. Signups are now out on our Instagram and Discord, so check for the link there. For more information about Startup itself, go to the website at scadstartup.com. Cash prizes are available this year, and we hope to have a great turnout. Our last announcement is going to be about our Flux Mentorship Program. So our Flux Mentorship Program signups have just ended. And if you haven't already received an email containing your mentor or mentee, expect an email in the next few days. All right, so now jumping into the episode, I am super excited because this week we will be talking about startup, basically about how it started and how it's going, as well as learning about the startup legend himself, Andrew Seibert. Andrew is a SCAD alum, currently a product designer at Backbone and previously working at Google as an interaction designer. Today, we will also be blessed by the presence of this year's startup co-directors, Savannah Wilkinson and Laura Federspiel. So hey, everybody. Welcome to the Influx podcast. I know that I am not your normal host. My name is Savannah Wilkinson. I am a UX design junior here at SCAD, and myself and Laura Federspiel are the co-directors for Startup this year. We are also co-design sprint leads as officer for Flux, and we're really, really excited to sit down and talk about Startup. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Lara. I'm Savannah's co-host for this episode, and I'm a UX sophomore. Yeah. So thank you to Varun and Nico for letting us take the reins and talk to you guys during this episode. We are super excited to have Andrew Seibert with us. Andrew Seibert actually was the one who originally started Startup, what was it, six years ago that it started? Yeah, something like that now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Six years ago, Startup started, and so now we're taking it to where we are today. Now it's gotten big enough to where we need two directors to direct the event. That's why we got myself and Laura here. So we can just go ahead and hop right in. So Andrew, first of all, thank you so much for coming on with us and being willing to talk about Startup. It's like kind of a dream to have you here. It's super, super awesome to see this thing that you started and created and to see how big it's gotten now. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've been back now, I think, for like two two years, maybe three. <laughs> it's hard to count. But uh, every year it gets bigger, the production value increases. Um, and most importantly, the quality and uh, volume of student projects just gets a lot bigger and better. And so um, 
this time of year is really special for me. It's just really inspiring to see a, a seed that was planted have grown into such a beautiful thing. Um, so thanks again for having me back here to chat about it. Of course. And we're so happy to be cultivating that seed and bringing it to what it's going to be this year. So let's just hop right in. So how are you, Andrew? Where are you talking to us from? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I'm doing well. I'm in Santa Cruz. So I actually recently just moved. Um, it's, you know, essentially still the Bay Area, but I'm like right by the beach now so I can surf. And uh, yeah, it's just a little bit less claustrophobic than San Francisco. But um, so far, I'm enjoying it. It's been like three weeks. So I'm like, Still a little bit in moving mode, um, but it's good. I didn't know you were a surfer. When did you get into surfing? Very recently. Uh, <laughs> basically, <laughs> as of moving to Santa Cruz. <laughs> so um, it's been something I've wanted to try for a while. And um, you can do it in San Francisco, but you kind of it's it's a bit of an adventure. Like you have to pack a lot of things and. It's just a lot of uh, friction to get started. So moving here uh, with my roommates has been a blessing in that regard. Super fun. Yeah. So, you know, outside of the wonderful world of surfing and moving, uh, how has working been for you, especially now that we're in, you know, COVID times? Yeah. Um, you know, I think in this season, it's been a lot better. Uh, than it was previously. I think when the pandemic first started, there was certainly like three or four months there, I think for everyone really, um, where you're kind of just adapting to what it's like to work from home um, and not be around your coworkers, not be in a space that's there to facilitate a working headspace. Um, and so it definitely took me a long time to adapt uh, and create new rituals to cultivate the focus I need to do my best work. But um, I think in, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm honestly loving it, especially, you know, um, I'm in a new role now, which we'll, I guess, talk about later. Um, but just having the ability to wake up and, you know, really craft my routine and cut out the commute and just kind of get started on my own terms um, has made a world of a difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, at least here on the school end, I think especially as UX students, we're really lucky to have a curriculum that can really easily transfer to an online learning atmosphere. And mm -hmm. so at least uh, for Laura and I, really for the rest of the UX students, it's definitely not ideal, but we've really still been able to do what we can and do the most through our curriculum and through our professors and everything at SCAD. So it kind of has been a blessing in disguise to be able to learn how to work and how to do classes remotely. Yeah. What do you, what would you say you miss the most from the in-person collaboration? I miss the casual conversations. I feel like it's very hard to like make mm. friends and talk with people and get to know somebody over Zoom because you're having yeah. to broadcast that whole conversation to everybody in the class. And if you reach out to someone privately, it can kind of come off a little weird. And so I yeah. definitely miss connecting with people. All right. So speaking of, you know, a new position starting somewhere new, we did a little bit of digging um, and it looks like you're currently working at the backbone. Do you think you could tell us a little bit about your new job? It seems to be like it's in the game industry. Do you think you could talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to chat about that. Um, yeah. So backbone is a little controller 
actually have it here. Um, and basically what it does is it connects to your phone, kind of like a switch. And it basically transforms your phone into really like a next level gaming device. So Oh, that's um, so cool. <laughs> you basically like press this button on the controller. Hold on, my phone's been weird. And uh, it takes you to a dashboard. And this is basically all of the games on your phone. Um, you can use Steam Link, you can use Stadia, you can use Xbox Remote Play, or you can also play all of the mobile games that you might, I don't know if you guys play games on your phone, but, uh, you know, Call of Duty Mobile, Minecraft, Oceanhorn, um, Asphalt 9. And so uh, it basically gives you like a serious gaming experience, one that's actually enjoyable, um, and that can be done with friends. Um, wherever you are. Uh, yes, like the other weekend I was playing Stadia, uh, like Cyberpunk 2077, sitting on the beach after surfing. And so um, personally, I think it's a very profound experience and very novel for what, you know, games have typically been in the past. They're typically very sedentary experiences where you sit down at a desktop um, and engage for a couple of hours. Um, but this has really... Uh, fully realized the console that has been sitting in your pocket this whole time. And um, there's a lot of cool things on top of, on top of that that I could talk about. Um, like we've made playing games with your friends super, super easy. So you can jump into a party in the Backbone app um, and have voice chat with all of your friends while jumping between game to game. Typically, it's been an impossible really to play games with your friends on mobile. Um, and you can also, there's a button dedicated in the controller to uh, recording content. So it's super, super easy to create content um, while playing mobile games and then share that with your friends. Um, so that's the product. Um, how I got into it and like heard about it and <laughs> I guess I don't want to like uh, skip ahead to the next question, but really like why I was enthralled by this, uh, this team was um, my friend Manit that I met as, a, as an intern while at Google uh, reached out to me not long ago and we just started talking about it and he sent me the product and after like a few days of just playing with it and meeting the rest of the team, it's like 10 people right now, um, I was kind of like, <laughs> pack my bags and go. Um, so... Yeah, it's been really great so far. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I guess that kind of does tie into the next question. Uh, your departure from Google, did you came to Google as soon as you graduated SCAD, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you take me a little bit through the thought process of being at this, like, really big, you know, Fortune 500 company and deciding to leave? And, you know, is Backbone technically a startup? Yes, uh, it is. Um the team right now is super small. Uh, the product just launched um, basically beginning of November. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I joined Google right after school and uh, worked there for about two and a half years um, in total. And it was an amazing experience. I love Google. Um, I'm eternally grateful for the experiences, the people, the team, the products that I've gotten to work on and have an impact on. Um, 
But, you know, as you mentioned, it's a Fortune 500 company. It's also, you know, there's like 100,000 plus employees, which is kind of insane if you think about it. And there's, I think now, like close to like 3,500 designers. I mean, that's like an, a small army of designers <laughs> wielding Figma <laughs> and uh, their favorite prototyping tool. So it's been... It, as it, was it should be. Figma <laughs> yeah. is God, as it should be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, you know, for me, um, as you know, like I've always been extremely passionate about startups and building things from scratch and trying to do something new. Um, and it's not at all like I wasn't enjoying the work that I was getting to do at, on Google. When I left, I was working on um, the Made by Google team or the hardware team. Um, and we were. It, it was a really exciting time, but I think this pandemic has also uh, facilitated a lot of self-reflection and just, I think it's caused a lot of people to reevaluate the things in their life and what they're doing and where they're going. And um, I think for me, it was just really important that at this point in my career, I, uh, you know, take that leap and try something new that hasn't really been tried before. And um, I kind of have been just craving that uh, gun to the head. Like if you don't design a good product, then uh, it fails. And so you don't get that at Google, right? Like <laughs> you fall on a nice cushy uh, bed of pillows when your team or product fails. And so um, for me, it's like, you know, if I don't do this now, I might sort of get trapped in that ladder of working at bigger tech companies. And so I just decided to make the jump. And so far, I'm absolutely loving it. Best decision probably I've ever made. <laughs> Bringing the danger back into UX design. I love to hear it. Yes. That's such like an interesting take because so many people here, at least as a sophomore, everyone's like, oh, I want to work at Google. I want to work at Amazon. And like, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, those are great companies to aim for. But I've been like considering like the freelance style so I can kind of live wherever I want, do whatever no, I totally. want. No, totally. Yeah. So it's, and it's nice to hear that someone else like, worked at Google, but then went off kind of on their own to make something big. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't knock anyone who who really wants to try that as their first gig. Like, like I said, you know, I learned an incredible amount. And honestly, I probably wouldn't be in a, as good of a position to like leave and join a smaller company as I would have been had I not joined Google. But um, I do remember, you know, when I first joined Google, or I like got my offer letter or whatever after my internship. And one of the designers at Maps that I was working with, like came up to me, he's like, man, that's amazing that you got this role. But like, just know that you're probably going to always wonder like what could have been had you gone another route or done startups or done like agency work or freelance. Because um, it's definitely a much different vibe and I think it teaches you a lot about resilience um, and like what kind of reality is a little bit more like for designers um, in the industry. I think like at these larger companies design already has a seat at the table. It already is a very established force but um, 
I think it's a very valuable experience to have to carve that seed out yourself and um, really get into the nitty gritty. Exactly. Yeah. It's really interesting to hear your perspective on this because Google, like before I even came to SCAD, when I was 14 and my godmother introduced me to the concept of UX, Google has been like my top company for like wanting to work for them since Mm -hmm. I discovered what UX was. And so that's a really interesting take to hear on that. Um, Yeah. All right. I don't know where I was going with that thought. It was just <laughs> there that it was gone. I figured out what you were right. when I was like 18. How did you figure hey. that when you were 14? Yeah, you got lucky. <laughs> I got very lucky. My godmother is godsend. Uh, she's worked in marketing for like her entire life. And so I was like, obviously anyone who kind of goes to SCAD was a very artsy kid, but I was also like really highly academic. And so I didn't really know how to combine the two of them. And so she sat me down one day and she was like, you're a problem solver. I'm like, yeah, I guess. And she was like, you should look into UX when you like start looking at schools and it just kind of ended up fitting perfectly because you know especially as a little girl growing up in Georgia whose name is Savannah who wanted to be an artist your entire life SCAD is shoved down your throat like since I was six years old I had said that I wanted to go to SCAD and so now and then UX kind of falling into my lap and then SCAD being the only school to offer it as an undergrad it just kind of ended up being the perfect puzzle piece everything kind of ended up fitting perfectly for me to end up coming here. That's incredible. And you said that was your grandma that told you that? My godmother. My godmother. Okay. Okay. I was like, wow. If it was my grandmother, that would be (laughs) even more impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I figured out what SCAD was by literally looking up good art schools my junior year of high school. Yeah, because you're from Boston, aren't you, Laura? That's not close. (laughs) Not at all. I'm from Atlanta, so at least I had, you know, the location there, but all right. Okay, so we looked you up, and it does say that you are a product designer. We know that people just kind of, like, throw that word out without knowing what it is. I'm very guilty of that. I identify as a UX and product designer without necessarily knowing everything about product design. Uh, But what is it like to be a product designer compared to being a UX or interaction or industrial designer? Yeah, that's a great question. Um... You know, I think every company defines it, you know, a little bit differently. Um, But, you know, generally speaking, the definitions are pretty much the same. I think when you talk about UX, um, that's typically like a very big umbrella. I'm sure you, you both know this, but you have like interaction design, visual design, motion design, um, and all of the respective disciplines that fall under that kind of umbrella of UX. And so a lot of larger companies like Google um, break it up and are very specific about what you're supposed to do as a designer. So as an interaction designer, you're typically crafting like the general flow um, and the architecture of the interface. And then you'll work within a, you know, you're still going to do like a lot of visual design, especially since you're mostly going to be working on like established products. So you have a component system, design system that you have to work within. And then you'll work with like the visual designer and the motion designer and they'll sort of not necessarily take a pass at it, but kind of give you their two cents on how you can improve things. Um, and they'll also be like working on the design system in parallel to you and, and you know, doing motion. Um, so it's, I don't want to say that you're siloed into that specific function um, at those larger companies, but um, there is a much 
clear uh, delineation of responsibilities. As a product designer, um, you're really expected to be full stack. So um, you're really supposed to be able to do like interaction design, visual design, motion design, um, and even a lot of like prototyping, sometimes even code. Um, and also think at a high level about product strategy, uh, work on like roadmaps. Um, so it's really like, it's kind of like everything that uh, the under the UX umbrella plus a little bit of product management. Obviously like different companies define it differently. Um, but I would say like at a meta level, that's what a product designer's role is. And so you know, going back to just like why I, I left Google, it wasn't that I was necessarily being siloed into like just being an interaction designer. But I think um, just that that role shift um, gives you the, f- the latitude and the freedom to like explore those other skill sets and really try and improve uh, more horizontally than uh, you might have the opportunity to do at, at Google. Yeah, that makes total sense. If you're a product designer, you're like a master of all trades when it comes to UX tips and tricks. So yeah, no, totally. Thanks for talking on that. So uh, we know that you are a big believer in doing things you're passionate about outside of your work. Could you tell us a little bit about some of your current passion projects or things that you're interested in uh, besides surfing, of course, the biggest <laughs> and the best? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so I've been working with... Uh, a few friends um, of mine on a, a little side project, this app. Uh, it's like a, a tool for artists to host auctions anywhere. So you create it once in the app and you can share it on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just been like a fun side project that we've been working on for a while now. Um, but, you know, I guess to get to the gist of your question, I've actually kind of (laughs) shifted my perspective a little bit on this. Um, You know, I do think that's super, super important to be doing that when you haven't quite found your niche yet or something that you really feel called to do. Um, Because I think that just expands the search space that you're giving yourself to work on different things, find out what you like to do, what you don't like to do. But I think once you've kind of found um, something you can wholeheartedly commit to, I think focus is super, super, super critical. Um, And not to be cliche, but, you know, like Steve Jobs famously said, you know, focus is about saying no to things that you really, really, really want to do. And so... um, I think at this point in my life right now, I am trying to uh, be a lot more focused. And it's not that I'm not try- you know, doing side projects or I don't have hobbies. I, I am doing those things. But um, generally speaking, I'm really trying to cultivate that intense focus on one thing that I really want to do great at um, versus you know, a lot of smaller things. That's a really cool and interesting take. I think especially like in school, we're not, we don't necessarily like have the chance to have that ideology. 
because at mm-hmm. the very minimum, you know, we're taking three classes. That's at yeah. least three different things to focus on. So that's a really like cool insight for kind of how the working world can change your perspective a little bit with your design process. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Laura, you want to jump into some startup questions? Yeah, for sure. So now the beefy topic of startups. <laughs> so we know that you started in Hong Kong, but can you tell us a little bit about like how you got it started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so happened in Hong Kong. Um, it was something that honestly I'd been thinking about for a while. Um, when I joined SCAD, I was, uh, I start, you know, freshman year, I, I did basically like interactive design. I tried to get as close to UX as I could because it wasn't a major at that time. Um, and the more I just started researching the field of, of user experience and the way that SCAD was teaching it, um, I was a little bit frustrated that like uh, design wasn't given a little bit more responsibility in the product development process um, or generally in like almost every stage of that process. And the way I always saw uh, user experience or design in general is like it's sort of the craft of actually making things um, and everything that surrounds that. And so uh, that frustration that like you weren't really allowed to, not allowed to, but given as many opportunities to like try and really create the whole spectrum of what a product is, which is also the business model, also the strategy um, and all of the research that goes into that. Um, uh, kind of like <laughs> came to uh, fruition in Hong Kong. So um, I had a bunch of friends there that were also interested in doing similar things and had expressed, you know, um, similar frustrations in their own disciplines, people in game design and illustration um, and graphic design. And so I was kind of just like, I went up to... Um, Nick Braver and, and Hannah Moyers, who at the time were kind of, they were in Hong Kong. It was their final year, uh, final quarter, actually. Um, and they were at the time leading like the interactive design club. And so uh, I was like, hey, like, we should try doing this. Like, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, that sounds amazing. But we're also like graduating. So like, <laughs> you know, let's figure out how uh, we can help you do this this year. Um and, you know, hopefully you can bring it back to Savannah and, and try it there. Um, so, yeah, we, we did, like, some light Google Docs, <laughs> <laughs> you know, told our friends about it. And uh, we wanted to, like, have an extra incentive and what's better than food. Uh, so <laughs> I went to um, Dean Black, who was kind of in charge of Hong Kong at the time. And um, I was like, hey, I want to do this thing. Um, can you help me out? And he was like, well, we don't really have a budget for that. But uh, I guess like that sounds really cool. And it sounds like a great opportunity for students. So here's $500, Hong Kong dollars, <laughs> not actually $500. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, 500 Hong Kong dollars. Uh, to do this, we went out, bought a bunch of snacks, ordered some pizzas, 
you know, booked a room. He, he gave us some space in the building at the time. And uh, yeah, we just grinded um, for, it was like a 24 hour sprint the first time. Um, and then in the morning, uh, there's this really cool courthouse because the, the building in Hong Kong is an old, like an old renovated courthouse. And uh, so Dean Black let us use that as sort of like the judging arena. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's essentially how it came to be. As a freshman, I joined uh, what we have are Fluxathons. So those are our 24 hour design challenges. And I remember my first one, BC brought in like 20 boxes of pizza. And <laughs> yes. that was enough of a reward. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. I think the we needed. I think we need to change all startup prizes. Forget the cash prizes. We're going to Uber Eats gift cards and nothing else. <laughs> all the way. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> $1,000 in Uber Eats gift cards? Are you joking? I'd be set for life. Yeah. Can I'd I be set for like a that? year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds amazing. So how many startups have you been a part of over um, the past couple of years? Gosh. Well... You know, the funny thing is, I almost feel, like, guilty about this, but, like, I've never actually, like, been a participant. I've only, like, led startup, really. <laughs> um, and it's always kind of been, like, frustrating because I really, like, want to do it. <laughs> but um, at least when I was, you know, at SCAD and, and running it, it was kind of like I was keeping it alive, I think, at least the first year in Savannah. Um and so I didn't really have the bandwidth to do both, but uh, I've been a part of three startups so far um, as like, you know, deeply involved. And then, you know, since I left SCAD and, and came to Google, I think there's been uh, two. So this will be like my seventh, if you include Hong Kong, Wow. which is kind of insane, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind well, of hey, dawning on me now. You have 16 days to enroll in SCAD's graduate program, and then you can join Startup This <laughs> Yes. How meta would that be? <laughs> that would be very meta. <laughs> well, when you held your first startup, did you expect it to become this big? Like, this year we're aiming for over 500 students to participate. Holy crap. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Honestly, in <laughs> Hong Kong, it was kind of just like, I want to do this. I want to help other people do this. Like, it was really just like, let's just have some fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it wasn't really until I came back to Savannah and then did the first like startup Savannah um, that I kind of realized, wait, this could actually be like a thing. Um, like similar to the Sand Arts Festival. That was kind of always like part of the inspiration was these other events for different majors. I was like, why isn't there something for entrepreneurship? Um, but yeah, when I started, I had no idea that we would ever get to this size or scale. So honestly, well, and, and it's all thanks to you all. Like seriously, oh. you guys have like taken it so far. And so you're my daily inspiration. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of entrepreneurship, speaking of growing, uh, I don't know if you know what we're doing special this year, but Laura and I, when we were kind of tasked with, not tasked, because we love to do it, we have thoroughly enjoyed all of the logistics and of setting startup up, 
But we wanted to do something really different because we knew it was going to be virtual. So we opened it to our Atlanta and e-learning students as well. But nice. we've also introduced it. Yeah, we're really excited about that. We have also introduced a second track. So Startup at its core, when you envisioned it and how it's been for the past five years, it's always been like an entrepreneurial ship competition. So how can you respond to our prompt with your own unique business idea? It's your startup idea. How far can you take it? And that's mm -hmm. always been super, super fun. But because of the pandemic this year and because um, the people that we've seen hit the most are usually owners of small businesses. And mm -hmm. so Laura and I kind of felt like we had a responsibility to do something about it and know that we had all these amazing designers that were going to come to startup and want to participate. So we were wondering how we could use SCAD students and have all of these amazing ideas and what we could do to help the local community. So track two is actually uh, like our local track. So students have a chance to work hands-on with one of two businesses in Savannah or two businesses in Atlanta, both small business and minority-owned businesses, to help them with their particular challenge the pandemic has caused them. So, for example, if they have like a lack of foot traffic, the students can respond and do something about the lack of foot traffic. Maybe they can update the signage. Maybe they can run a social media campaign, et cetera. Same thing for maybe the branding just isn't hitting. The students mm -hmm. can, I'm sorry, my cat is eating. My, <laughs> no <yeah>. worries. <laughs> but, um, so, train of thought. Anyways, so track two, so the students, uh, so if the business is, you know, their branding just isn't hitting anymore. So the students can kind of help them do a rebrand and that kind of thing. And we're really, really excited because we actually have money in the budget to be able to give the businesses a cash prize as well. So the students will be getting a cash prize for track one and track two, but the businesses will also be getting one in order to enact the changes that the students are proposing for them. Wow. I love that. That's such an incredible idea. And honestly so relevant for what's happening right now so that's seriously like so cool to hear about yeah yeah everyone says that designers are going to be the people who change the world so we want to we want to prove that and it starts you're at SCAD <laughs> I love that and which uh, local businesses are you doing we can't reveal all of the secrets yet. Oh, yeah. We're going to, Wait. yeah, we're announcing them at kickoff, a little hint to, for everyone to come to kickoff. We're announcing everything like prize amounts and the small businesses in both Atlanta and Savannah that are going to be joining. All of those are going to be announced at kickoff February 5th. Nice. Well, we have lots of excited participants. So. Very exciting. Have you found it um, easier to get students involved given the pandemic? I think like in the past when it was, you know, very much physically located, that was often a barrier, right? Like people didn't want to like make it all the way out to the student center for kickoff or like they had to be at a certain place at a certain time um, to progress. Has that helped being it's, online? It's like a help and a hurt because we've been online for so long that when people see another design competition that's being held online, it's like, mm. oh, I don't want to go sit in another Zoom room for two hours. Yeah. Like, I've, I've already done that for five hours today. But at the same time, we can reach out to judges who are halfway around the world. Be like, can you hop on for two hours and give a presentation? And mm. then they're more than happy to because it's just a Zoom call away. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say it's a blessing and a curse for sure because we are able to include Atlanta and e-learning students within the same competition with Savannah students this year, which is really, really fun. We're able to get like really exciting mentors and judges coming in since they don't have to show up um, physically, 
on the recruitment side, it's kind of just hard to gauge, you know, how excited everybody is because, you know, yeah. we're coming into classes and we're talking about it. We have, you know, our announcements on Discord and Instagram and we see interaction there and it's super fun. But when you can't talk to people face to face, it's really hard to kind of get across just how awesome of an experience startup is and how everyone who comes out of it is really grateful for the time and the project that they spend on it. It's kind of hard to drum up that excitement about like another Zoom event because Zoom fatigue yeah. is real. I'm sure we have all experienced Zoom fatigue. Totally. So I'd say that part is challenging. However, we've gotten a pretty good response so far. So we're pretty optimistic. Yeah, that's good. I mean, hopefully people will see the value. Uh, I can see that why they wouldn't. So, yeah. With all of these like changes and new add-ons to the original startup competition, um, do you want us to keep anything from the original startup? Like, is there that one special aspect of the competition that you don't want to see disappear? Um... I don't think it has. I mean, I I think, like, what startup is all about, which is um, helping people understand that they can be more and, and do more and actually, like, create their own businesses if they really wanted to, um, that still exists. And I think that's still the core of startup. And so um, as long as, you know, the name remains, like, I think... <laughs> I think you all are on the right track. Like all of these additions, I think only amplify that core message. Um, and so, you know, I guess if anything, it's really that, but I feel like it would have to be an entirely different event um, were that to change. Makes sense. And I don't think the name startup is going anywhere. Anytime oh yeah. Soon. So, um, yeah. And yeah, with you being in, you said seven startups, um, mm -hmm. have you seen any, projects that like you just can't get out of your mind or you want to elaborate on mm. <laughs> uh so i guess a funny story from the very very first startup in hong kong um that year since it was like a very small group of us it was like you know a handful like 20 maybe 30 i honestly can't remember anymore but very small group of people. Um, there's really only like 300 people in Hong Kong's campus anyway. But we actually had a professor, uh, one of my professors, uh, John Luca Cinquepalmi. I don't know if he's still teaching at SCAD. I think he, he recently left, but um, he was the graphic design, uh, graphic design professor in Hong Kong. And uh, I told him about it and he was like, dude, that sounds awesome. Like, can I participate? And I was like, all right, I mean, I guess <laughs> why not have a participate, uh, a professor, um, participate. And so he did a solo team and, uh, I remember sitting in the courtroom, <laughs> like <laughs> listening to this professor present his project. And it was honestly really, really cool. So the theme that year was uh, the end of life experience, kind of morbid. Oh, yeah. Um, but he pitched basically this service that would, um, instead of like graves and like, you know, a gravestone, you know, like typical burial methods, like scratch all of that. Basically you get cremated and then you send them like 
like a doc or like a folder of basically all of the assets from that person's life that you can find. You like write some stuff, um, things you want included. And they basically have a team of professional designers and storytellers that create like a Disney-like book of that person's life um, as a memoir uh, and sort of way to remember them as, as opposed to like a physical gravestone. And I always thought that was like a very interesting concept. That's so um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a project for one of our Fluxicon 24-hour challenges. Yeah. That was very similar. Um, hmm. What was the theme, Savannah? Are you talking? Are you talking about a new? Are you talking about Varun's yes. project? Yeah. The yes. theme was that was the Duolingo theme because I was a Duolingo competition. Oh, so it was, it was gamifying, like gamifying global good. Hmm. Gamifying global good was the theme for their, our most recent flexicon. And actually, the co-host of the podcast, normally Varun, his team did a really really cool project called a new where they were kind of explaining the concept of death to children and wow. kind of how exactly, yeah, it's like how do you explain something as complex as the ending of someone's life to a child? And so mm. they have this whole like interactive um, game that pretty much explained the concept to the kid so that the parent wasn't sitting down and trying to have this like really hard conversation. Of course, they would still have that conversation. Yeah. It would be after they played this game so the kid had some understanding of what was going on. That's so cool. Huh. It's cool to see that making its way back in the startup, the theme of death. <laughs> oh, always. <laughs> yeah. And in the same competition, we had like a recycling Pokemon Go team. And oh, yeah. <laughs> all over the place. It's a great theme, though. Gamifying good. I like that. Yeah, we worked with Duolingo, and it was really, really fun. So we had like some Duolingo design judges come in. And so obviously what Duolingo does is they kind of gamify the education experience. Mm. And so Laura and I knew we wanted to do something with gamification. And they came to us, and we're like, we really like this idea of global good. And we're like, perfect, three Gs will just gamify global good. And it yeah. kind of turned out to be this amazing little 24-hour design competition. That's so cool. And I got to talk Duolingo. to Josh about uh... – oh, sorry, go ahead. Duolingo offered first place gets like a premium subscription for a year. So people were going hard for this competition. <laughs> it was intense. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, also a lot of work to go through a whole uh, year's worth of Duolingo subscription. But oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to really want to learn another language. But that's awesome. The officers were like fighting for it. Like Laura and I had to keep everything <laughs> secret because the officers were fighting for that Duolingo subscription. That's so cool. All right, we want to hit these last start questions, and we'll go quickly into hot takes. Yes. All right. So, um, with design sprints and hackathons becoming a lot more popular, especially during the pandemic, what is something about startup that stands out from the crowd? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can speak maybe less to design sprints, but I think like generally like hackathons at other schools and just, yeah, like more generally, um, they're much less about the business than the product. Um, they're, they're much more just focused on like hacking something together and having like a working demo. 
which is also, I think, a very important aspect of what startup is about. But I think startup is really unique in that you're generating literally like a startup idea um, rather than like hacking together some product that solves some problem. Um, you know, typically people do present products, but honestly, some of the more interesting, you know, startup ideas that I've seen have been like a lot more service oriented and not necessarily focused like on a singular product or innovation. Um, like that example I gave, uh, well, you know, a little ominous and dark, <laughs> Uh, I think that's a really great example of some of the things that come out of startup as opposed to other hackathons um, because it's analog. Um, it's a service that requires like a team of people to produce this thing. And each thing that it's producing is completely unique. Um, so I think what makes startup stand out really to me is that uh, full stack consideration for the concept and not just seeing it in isolation as like, oh, here's a demo or here's like this thing we built. Um, so yeah, to me, I think that's really special and an experience that can't easily be found elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. And I know in order to make that like full stack presentation you were talking about, you need a lot of different designers from different backgrounds, like mm -hmm. engineers, designers, illustrators, um, and that's what startup really encourages. Uh, this year, we are requiring that each team has at least two different majors. Mm. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you think that's important to enforce? Absolutely. Yeah, I do think so. I think the best ideas always come from cross pollination of skill sets and backgrounds. And so um, the fact that it, has to be multi multidisciplinary, I think is a huge bonus. Um, cause it also, you know, there's very few school projects or studio projects that are multidisciplinary in that way. Um, I mean, I guess senior studio and some of the later projects that you get to do are, um, you're more encouraged to branch out and like recruit help from other majors like film and, and whatever it might be. But, um, yeah, I think having that experience where you're forced to work with someone who thinks about the world in a different way than you do is is in, invaluable, really. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great thing. And, I, you know, honestly, like the dream for startup um, when it first began and what I really tried to push for, honestly, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but uh, what I what I always would talk to Josh about was like, how cool would it be if uh, we could like rent a bus and go up to Brown University and do startup with disciplines outside of design, right? Because companies aren't created from just like designers. <laughs> Um, and companies aren't created from like any like singular discipline. They're always these multifaceted organisms um, that need to be able to adapt and solve a lot of different types of problems. And so, uh, yeah, I think the more that you can push for that, I think the better. Um, you know, there's always issues around like school branding and, and who gets credit for what. But I think, you know, the core of startup is about creating 
companies that can bring ideas to life. And so, you know, I think the more you can do that, like partner with engineers or partner with people and with MBAs, like the better. Laura, take notes for next year. I know. I'm like <laughs> jotting down everything. I'm like, oh, Georgia Tech is right down the street. I, was I, I tried about to Georgia make that Tech. happen for so long. I tell you, like, if you guys can make that happen, that'll be the dream. Laura, I know the president of IDSA for Georgia Tech, so we'll talk about it. Yeah. I was working on a startup with a girl from Georgia Tech, and they are beyond smart. Oh my gosh. It was an amazing project, though. And I learned a lot from that multidisciplinary, like totally. cross team collaboration. I interned with NCR this summer, and it was two SCAD students. So it was me and one other SCAD student, and then it was seven Georgia Tech students. They're like, "Okay, guys, here's all of your UX projects. The SCAD students will teach you the UX process." We were like, "What?" Because <laughs> it was just us and a bunch of like software engineers and industrial designers, but we made it work. So that's cool. I love that. The final question for startup. So everyone on at least the startup core team knows your name and who you are, that you are the creator of startup competition. So how does that feel like being such a legend here at SCAT? I I just honestly feel super grateful. really grateful for you know this professors that encouraged me like dean black giving me that 500 dollars um and honestly you know i also want to just say like i that is like a huge compliment but at the same time like startup was always a, a group effort and it was always a team thing and so like you know shout out to all the flux officers <laughs> from the three years we did start up at, at SCAD, like that really made it happen. DePauli, um, like Kyler, Nolan, uh, Joe, uh, Cody, like everybody that was involved um, is what made startup startup. And so, you know, that is a huge compliment. And I feel internally grateful uh, for, for that. But it's it's always been a team effort, and so uh, we're all legends. <laughs> you guys we'll shout too. Out. Oh, yeah. thank you. We'll shout out Dane and Zara because they were also startup directors. Zara yes. was last year, and Dane was the day, year before. Seriously. So I think that covered all of the startup directors. So look at us go. All yeah. right, last round of questions, lightning round. Let's do this. All right, so moving on to our hot takes section of the podcast. Our first one is very, very important. Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Google Play, or SoundCloud. What is the superior music streaming service? Spotify. Thank you. Correct. <laughs> is that even a question? <laughs> no, I'm just Spotify all the way. <laughs> yeah. Wait, right. does anyone disagree? <laughs> Do you all disagree? You disagree? Okay, let's hear it. I am a Apple Music user. I don't like the layout of Spotify, and I think the only reason people use it is to get Spotify wrapped at the end of the year. Uh, we have dark mode, and Spotify did it first. Apple yeah. Music clearly copies. <laughs> I tried right. Apple Music for a while. I don't want to slow us down at all, but to be honest, like I'm glad they fixed this now, but 
I tried it for a while, and the one reason I switched was because the CTA to like play and pause was so small on the original Apple Music <laughs> UI that I literally like almost crashed my car like three times <laughs> trying to shuffle through music. So they've changed it now; it's better, but I'll never forgive them for that. That's maybe a testament <laughs> to like how critical those decisions are um, informing product perception. So. So what I'm hearing is two for Spotify, one for Apple Music. You'll have your supporters <laughs> in other areas, Laura. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> All right. So if you came back to SCAD right now as a UX design major, what would you do differently? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I actually, you know, I wish SCAD actually had this ability. I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, I probably wouldn't declare a major if I could. <laughs> like if I could just like take classes from a bunch of different disciplines, that would be incredible. Um, I'm honestly surprised there hasn't been a track created for that at SCAD yet. Um, but you know, that's a little unrealistic. I think just speaking more practically, um, you know, I would, it's really hard to say what you would do differently. Um, let somebody else run I would, startup so you can participate, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a huge one. I would definitely participate <laughs> in as many startups and fluxathons as I possibly could. Um, I would also try and collaborate, like like I said earlier, like with more um, engineers uh, in my earlier years uh, at SCAD. I think like you know, I I taught myself programming and then like took a few of the classes, which is, you know, you really teach yourself, honestly, um, no matter what. But being able to, like, I, I would really just try and find people outside of SCAD to collaborate with on side projects and school projects. Um, I think the more that you can do that, the better. It prepares you for the real world more. Yeah, awesome. All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Thank you. Correct answer. Lara, are we disagreeing again? They're both great, but... No, I just... I can't get through Star Wars or Star Trek, so neither. That's like, I, I, I want to like Star Wars. I really do. But I just keep falling asleep. <laughs> I've only ever seen the original three, and that was less than a year ago that I watched it for the first time. So I am a poser. I'm a poser Star Wars fan. I just... <laughs> so... Nice. All right. Okay. Coffee, tea, energy drink, or alcohol? Uh, alcohol. Fair <laughs> no, <point>. <laughs> um, I do drink coffee. I mean, I don't like that I drink it, but I do drink it. So that's definitely my awake juice uh, of choice. But, uh, you know, I also like beer. <laughs> I'm a mate gal. The mate factor is like two blocks from my apartment, so I'm there far too often. Nice. I love that place. Being, yeah. Being it's 20 good. years old, I'm going to say tea. Same. <laughs> Laura and I are both in the 20 years old crew. Nice. All right. No, I feel and... old. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we're catching up there in age. <laughs> Finally, our last question to round out this podcast. To you, what is UX design? Um designing computers 
fair point. <laughs> no, I totally see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, if that's only when you say UX design, I think design at mm-hmm. large, right? It's just everything really is just like intentionally crafting something. Um, but yeah, I think when you, when you get specific UX design is about designing computers. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. I know Laura and I have been like talking about this since Nico and Varun had the idea to launch a podcast. But, like, what if on the startup episode we got Andrew Cyber on it? We were able to talk about like startup in the past versus what it is now. So this has kind of been like a dream in the making since the podcast had originally become an idea. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and being willing to take time out of your day to talk startup things with us. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I can't say it enough, but uh, yeah, so grateful to be able to be here and and talk to you all. And um, y'all are killing it. So I'm super excited to see what comes out of startup this year. Um, I'm going to have to call Josh and and Ray at some (laughs) point today and be like, yo, want to make sure I can be there for the finale at least, if not do something else. So I'll be sure to send you a, a celebration Zoom link so you can pop in. Awesome. (laughs) Well, again, once again, thank you so much. It has been so awesome having you on and talking all things startup. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep an eye out for our next episode, which you can find on the Flux website, scadflux.com or Instagram at scadflux.